Now can I invite you to open your Bibles and turn to the second letter of Peter, chapter 1. And we'll read the first 11 verses. The Word of God where it says... Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and mercy, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Thanks, Fred. I started to get feeling really old this morning. Here comes Quinn Morgan refers to himself as an old bloke and I think he's only in his early 30s. And here I am. And he brings up a guy who I know as Alexander and suddenly he's Jonesy. Sometimes you don't understand these people anymore. And then, then Jonesy starts to explain that we should pray for him that he will not behave really cool at school. And what does Gwen say? Cool. <laughs> so... I have to do a lot of thinking, so it is, it is cool to try not to be cool. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's turn to the scriptures and, um, and to, the, to the letter of people. Friends, uh, children's songs often contain profound truths. We easily sing along with them, but that we sing them doesn't mean that we always apply their teaching. I'm thinking of a song we we sang a few weeks ago here in church with the kids. Read your Bible, pray every day, 
if you want to grow. Now, we all admit to its truth, I suppose. But be honest with yourself. Do you do what it says? Read your Bible? Pray every day? Now, perhaps we hear this as a, as a kind of suggestion, a, a, a command. And, and what we usually do with commands is ignore them, right? But friends, this is not a, a kind of legalistic rule that someone wants to place on you. Listen again. Read your Bible, pray every day, if you want to grow. If you want to grow. That puts the ball straight into your court. So the real question I want to confront us with today is not so much, do you read your Bible and pray every day, but rather, do you really want to grow? Do I really want to grow? Now our Bible passage is, is exactly about that. It's about growing as a Christian. Our theme is growing in faith. And I'll look at two points. First, check your foundation and to build on that foundation. Now ask a builder, what's the most important part of a building? And I'm sure he will answer, the foundation. It's not the visible part of the house that makes it strong, but rather what's underneath it. You, you may build a strong house on a weak foundation and it will still fall apart when it's battered by the elements. Now in his second letter, the Apostle Peter has a word of encouragement for Christians of all times. Because no matter what time we live in, whether in the first century like Peter or in the 21st century like us, we have to understand the very topic that Peter addresses in his letter. If we want to make it, into heaven. So he begins with the word of God, with the work of God in our lives. Our election, our calling, our faith in Jesus. And then he continues, as you, you follow along in, in, in that Bible um, um, chapter, um, you, will, you will see he continues next chapter with the importance of Scripture. And then a warning how our faith will be challenged and attacked by false teachings. And then in the final chapter, he teaches us to, as we live on earth, that we keep an eye on the future, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let, let's read the, the, final verse, uh, of this, the final verse of this book as well. And this is a kind of summary of what this whole letter is all about. And you find it in chapter 3, verse 17. It says this, Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard, so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. You find all the themes there that he has addressed in this whole letter and especially what he started with in chapter 1. So the theme is clear. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. But can you see that in order to grow, there must be something that can grow? I mean this. If you have an empty veggie patch, 
I can, can fertilize and water that patch faithfully every day. I can, I can put a bit of glass above it as a protection against the cold. I can even put lots of snail uh, pellets around it. But if there is no seedling to begin with, I am wasting my time and effort and I will never see any harvest but over time only weeds will come up that I may mistake for real growth. Friends, that's exactly the same with faith. Faith needs to be genuine faith in Jesus Christ, your only Saviour and Lord. And unless you have that kind of faith, the real thing, you cannot grow as a Christian no matter how much effort you put into it. So unless you have that, that kind of faith, think of, of that, that seedling in my veggie patch. Unless you have that kind of faith, you... Um, no, I say that the wrong way around. You need to have that kind of faith, that seedling, in order to grow. So that's why I'm saying, first check, and that's another image, check the foundation of your life. Do you really have this saving faith? Not, not just any kind of faith. You may believe in God. You may believe in creation. You may believe in the Bible as God's word. You may believe some good Christian doctrines. But all that does not count for saving faith. Saving faith is about knowing God through Jesus Christ. Saving faith is having a personal relationship with Jesus and a desire to grow in Him. Saving faith is Loving the one who gave his life for you on Calvary's cross. Now such a faith is not something that you can create in yourself. That you can whisk up somehow by doing all kinds of Christian things. No, such faith needs to be placed in your heart from outside by way of a miraculous intervention by God. It is through a supernatural act by the Holy Spirit who gives you a new heart. That is your regeneration that the Bible talks about all the time. Yeah? Remember how Jesus warned, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God, let alone enter it. And again, that's the, the seedling. That needs to grow. It's the beginning thing. So that's a warning, all right. We all need to check our foundation and ask, do I have this, this faith to begin with? Now have a look at first one. Simon Peter, an apostle, servant of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Do you hear that a faith Peter talks about is something that you have to receive you can't make yourself a believer that's what it's saying you can only receive faith and that means if you want to have it 
you should ask for it. Speak to God about it. Pray that you may receive it. But that's why it's so important that people meet to true Christians. Not just churchgoers. Many churchgoers might put you off. Unfortunately, there is a lack of fake faith around. Religion, we call that. People who think that they are believers in God. They make an effort to please Him. But whose hearts have not been changed in any way. Now the world needs to meet true Christians who show the love of Christ in the way they get along together, in the way they treat other people, in the way they love people who have nothing to offer to them, people who might even be their enemies. Such love speaks loud and clear. So true Christian makes other people kind of jealous. I wish I had what you seem to have. Give me such a faith. And a Christian will answer, well, this faith, I haven't made up myself. It's been given to me. And I cannot give it to you, no matter how much I would like to give it to you. I cannot give it to you. But you can have it too. Ask for it until you receive it. Now Peter says, you and I have received this precious faith through the righteousness of God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now what that means is this. When Jesus died on the cross and was raised again, the righteousness of God, which is no other way that we can get to that, but that righteousness of God that came available for unrighteous for sinful people. They could receive this righteousness by placing their trust in Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. And that's all there is to it. You know what? We often think of, of apostles like Peter and, and Paul and John as as very special people. So that we call them St. Peter and St. Paul and St. James and St. John and St. Andrews. For, for these people had such great faith, we think. Well, it's nothing like that, says Peter. He addresses his letter to those who have received a faith as precious as ours. So your faith and Peter's faith is exactly the same. It is about trusting Jesus. And that is the most precious thing that you can ever receive in this life. To Peter, it had become so precious that he would rather give his life away than compromise on his faith. So friends, congratulations. You have received a faith as precious as the apostles. Now, what does, make this, what does make this faith then so precious? Listen to this, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. 
Now, well, that's precious, isn't it? You who have been called have received already everything you need for life and godliness. You don't need anything more. You can be completely content. For, for you, a divine power is available which can turn you into a godly person, which helps you to overcome all your weaknesses and sins so that one day you will be just as good and as loving and as pure as Jesus himself. And that's all to do with the glory and the goodness of God. And what's that? That's because God did not want to leave this world in its misery because of sin. He didn't want to destroy it, didn't want to do away with it. But he found a way to deal with sin and to remove sin. And he did it by having his son, Jesus Christ, nailed to a cross. And all those who believe in Jesus benefit from that unique sacrifice. Verse 4. He has given us his very great and precious promises. Here's that word precious again. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Great and precious promises are given. Now as you know, promises are only valuable if and inasmuch they are believed. If you get a promise but you don't believe it, well the person may just as well not have made this promise. So again, it comes down to, to have faith in these promises, to receive faith in these promises. So ask for such a faith. If you haven't received it, if you can't relate to what I'm saying about it. Because there are great things at stake. Peter even says that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Now fancy that. You, an ordinary human being, and sinful at that, may participate in the divine nature. Now what's that? It's this. If you accept Jesus Christ as your saviour, and commit yourself to follow him as your Lord, he will give you his Holy Spirit. Well, the Spirit is one of the three persons in God. Now, this Holy Spirit comes to live in you, so that God lives in you through his Spirit, that Christ, as the Bible says, Christ is in you. Now, but that doesn't make you a kind of God yourself, doesn't make you a divine being in any way, but yet you do participate in the divine nature for a very specific purpose. And Peter writes out what it is. That purpose is this, so that you may escape the corruption in this world. As long as you are only part of this world, and you're not called into the kingdom by God himself, your nature is corrupt. Your desires are flawed. And worse than that, they're evil. By nature, you want to keep God out of your life and do your own thing. 
And for a long time that may seem to go rather well until one day your whole life falls apart and you discover the corruption of this world and hopefully your own corruption as well. For then there is hope. For there are great and precious promises for those who confess to their own corruption. There are promises of life and joy and happiness and healing that we will find if we begin to see this new purpose of life, a life where the glory of God takes center point. So friends, once again, check your foundation. Do you have received this precious faith? If not, ask for it. And keep asking until you receive it. And I assure you, you will know when the Holy Spirit enters into your heart. Okay, let's move on to our second point. Build on this foundation. Now, Peter had some great and exciting things to say so far. We have received a precious faith. God's divine power is working in us. We participate in the divine nature so that we can escape the corruption of this world. Now that sounds as if we can sit back and relax and then let God do it all. Let, let God finish the work in us. But to our surprise, that is not the conclusion that Peter draws from this presence of the divine nature in us and us participating in divine nature. Not at all, actually. Verse 5, for this very reason. And that means all the previous stuff being true and valid for you. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge, etc. So God has given us faith. That's where it starts. And then God has given us everything we need for godliness. And he has given us his very great and precious promises. And for that very reason, you have to do something. On the foundation being laid, you have to build. Peter spells out the building blocks. It begins with faith, and then goodness, and then knowledge, and kindness, and love, etc. Now perhaps I'll be given... Um, another opportunity to go through these building blocks with you one by one. Um, but that would take a little bit too much time to do that now because I, I want to, to catch this whole passage. So, so we jump now first to, to verse 8 to follow Peter's argument. And then he says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, assuming that you know the Lord Jesus, Peter suggests that you need to grow. And not only need to grow, but that you desire to grow, that you want to grow. I mean, who, who wants to be in any way ineffective and unproductive? That there's nothing as frustrating as having worked hard at something and at the end of the day you have not made any progress at all. You've been totally unproductive. You have done a lot, perhaps, but you have been ineffective and therefore there is no result. And it feels 
you've wasted all your time and energy. I assume everybody can relate to that. We don't like to be ineffective and unproductive. Well, that being the case, why is it then that in spiritual life, many don't seem to bother about growth at all? They assume they are Christians, and perhaps they are, but they do not grow. There is not an increasing measure of goodness, knowledge, self-control, brotherly kindness, and love. They are just as far as they were five, ten years ago. They seem to have no desire to grow. So they easily skip worship services. They don't bother about joining a growth group. Their prayers are shallow, and their Bible reading is sporadic. And if you ask them how they are going spiritually, they usually admit, well, it's quite a struggle for me. They lack motivation. They are unsure about their own faith. They fall back into old sins. They wonder whether being a Christian means anything at all, etc. What would Peter say to people like that? Would he commiserate with them and say, Ah, poor you, that the devil gives you such a hard time. I pray that, that God will keep the devil at bay for you so, so that you won't have so many struggles anymore. Would Peter really say that? No way. He would rebuke you severely and say, You did not make the effort to grow. See, growth doesn't come just like that. If, if you don't put in the hard yards, you are nearsighted and blind. You have forgotten that you have been cleansed from your past sins. Now what's that got to do with that? Now you have to think about this question. Why? Why did God cleanse you from your past sins in the first place? That was only to give you a new start in life so that you are no longer bound to sin anymore but that you have the energy even the divine power to fight them and if you don't use that energy to grow in knowledge and in godliness and in love you will lose it that's unfortunately just our nature. We, we like to take it easy in life, and especially in spiritual life. It's not easy to discipline yourself, to have a regular quiet time in which you read your Bible and pray. It's not easy to commit yourself to church fellowship. It's not easy to make the effort to speak about Jesus to someone you know. We wish it would be easy, but it isn't. It requires faith and self-control and commitment to Jesus. It's quite an effort, actually. So why, why should you do it anyway? And Peter comes up with a very good reason in verse 10. He says, Therefore, my brothers... Be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. 
Now, what does that mean? Do we have to make our calling and election sure? Isn't our calling and our election something which is in God's hands? Well, yes, it is. But fact is, your own certainty about your personal calling and election comes only by practicing your faith. If you want to grow in holiness, if, if you want to grow in assurance of your salvation, if, if you want to experience the reality of God's divine power working in you, you have to make the effort to grow. And such growth doesn't come by witnessing miracles, by listening to testimonies of people about how God worked in their life, by asking for a word of God just for your own ears. Well, these things can happen and are helpful, but don't misunderstand me, but the main thing is, read your Bible, pray every day, if you want to grow. See, when you prayerfully read your Bible, think of this. God himself is speaking to me now, and I'd better listen. When you're listening to a, a sermon explaining the Scriptures, it's not a preacher talking to you, it is God speaking to you. That's where you grow. That's how the Holy Spirit works. The Apostle Paul says somewhere, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. It's the most important instrument of the Holy Spirit to make things right in someone's life. It's the Word of God. And if you keep the Word of God closed, you're keeping the Spirit out of your life. And then you can't grow. Do, do you like to become more like Jesus? Now, a true Christian would, of course, because that's what it is all about. Now, read then about Jesus. Listen to what he has to say about himself in the four Gospels. Read to the reports of what he did in the same Gospels. Read how how God was preparing for the coming of Jesus through the whole Old Testament. We heard it last week. Isaiah, 700 years before Christ came, gave a detailed description what a servant of the Lord had to go through in order to save people, in order to give people life. See, that's, that's where you get to know Jesus. And that's where you learn to love Jesus. And that's growth. So in that process, if you do that, you will experience what Peter promises here. You grow in certainty about your calling and election. You receive in the process an assurance of faith. And when tough times come, when your faith is tested, you experience the stability of your foundation, the precious gift of faith that God gave you. In, in times of testing, and they will come one way or another, you will not fall. 
But the ball is in your court. You have to make the effort first. Be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. That's the condition. Verse 10, second half. For if you do these things, you will never fall. Well, that's true for our life on earth. If you do these things, you'll never fall. You stick to following Christ. And that's a safe path to walk. But there's more to come. Verse 11. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now isn't that something to look forward to? After you've been battling for a lifetime. After putting in lots of efforts to grow. One day you will meet Jesus himself. All smiles. Welcome brother. Welcome sister. In my eternal kingdom. Great that you made it. And he will embrace you and say, Come, I'll present you to my Father. And then you will see God. And Jesus will say, Father, he is another one for whom I gave my life. And your spirit made their heart respond so that they believed it. And you placed the desire in their heart to follow me, and to become like me. And here they are. They made it. Let them share in your glory and goodness as you have promised. And the Father will respond, sure. That's what we promised, didn't we? Friends, that is the kind of welcome you will receive. If you are ever discouraged about the troubles of life, about your own failures, think of this. There is nothing like being welcomed by the one who gave his life for you on a cross so that you who believe in him would have eternal life. Praise God and keep growing in your faith. Amen.